what you love has a high price to pay. Some good Welcome back to Real Voices of Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my co-host and star of this show, Coach and Kernan. Before we introduce our guest and get to Kevin, I always love to hear what his thoughts are in the week. We've got some major topics going on in baseball. I just want to speak to our audience quickly, uh, to our 16,300-plus subscribers right now. Make sure that you continue to support us. You do that by download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. Just like Major League Baseball is battling those algorithms, those analytics, so do we with podcasting. So continue to do that. It allows us to provide you great content every week like we do on this show. Use Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher to stream us. If you have a different device, let me know. I will certainly subscribe to that as well. Continue to engage us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I answer one question a day live. I get back to everybody privately. We had over 200 questions today. Uh, great, great interaction today. Make sure we continue to support Kevin on Ball 9. That's our brethren over there at Ball 9. He produces two great articles a week and always has great commentary as well on, on social media, so follow him there. We're now in 72 countries, grassroots all the way to Major League Baseball front offices. So we got people's ear right now. And all we're trying to do is build a better baseball IQ. And in response to our audience and, and the, the major topics, not just in baseball, but in our world, I want to let our, our audience know that we will be bringing back that roundtable in May that we started this uh, podcast network with way back when. So way too many topics. Major League Baseball messes up way too much for us not to do it. And so does our world. So we can kind of branch out and tie baseball into the world. But Kevin, welcome back to the show. Uh, great to have you and had some major topics from rosin to the Atlantic league being another Frankenstein experiment to Manfred running wild here. So welcome back to the show and love to hear your thoughts on what you're seeing out there. Yeah. The, uh, thanks Dave. And the, the most important thing, um, the latest column I did was called K zone and I can't wait to talk to our guest today because, uh, you know, he knows all about it. And, uh, I, I basically, Here's what's going on in Major League Baseball. All you hear about is balls put into play and the average and all the great new rules and all the money they spend on PR to, to uh, you know, actors telling you how good baseball is now. You know me. I don't, I, don't, I don't take anything without looking at it. So I'm watching games all the time, and I see, guys, you know, 12, 14, 16, 11 strikeouts per game. And, and, and pitchers really can't command like they used to command, and they're striking out all these guys because they're still doing their A swing. So that made me think about some things, and I, I decided to um, look at some numbers because you can beat the nerds with their game, in their own game with numbers. And uh, wouldn't you know it, ironically, despite all the advantages they gave the hitter now, um, and, and by doing that I also mean the stolen bases, which is a joke, and we'll see it's a joke by the end of the year. Despite all those advantages, over the first 600 games this year, Major League players are striking out more than they ever did in the past. 8.68 per team per game. That's what I found out, and I got some help from the guys over at the, you know, um, uh, the research guys, and uh, they've been wonderful um, for many years, um, Elias Sports Bureau. So these are real numbers, real facts. And I wrote about that. I also wrote a uh, previous week about, you know, the Scherzer thing to some degree. But also, the I'm going to mention this. The Empire's hands are tied a little bit. You know, Phil Cousy and those guys, I know them well. And the bottom line was the, the, the stuff he was using was stickier than anything they felt before. And that's what happened. That's why he got out. And uh, that's where we are. So we can move on. 
Yeah, but, but those strikeout numbers, I had not seen those anywhere or heard them anywhere. Until- well, no, but nobody wants to upset Rob Manfred or the, or the nerds to tell them that they're actually putting out a worse product than they had before. So that's what I do. Yeah, no, I love that. That was that was great. It uh, you always shine a light on the things that they don't want shined on. That's uh, that, that's what makes you America's most beloved sports writer. So we appreciate what you do. So with our guest today, I'm going to keep the preamble short because uh, I think he's going to have a ton to say with what's going on with pitching and baseball and a lot of these injuries too. But 32 years with the White Sox organization in different capacities, 18 as a major league pitching coach, one season as skipper, World Series champion in 2005, also spent four years in the bigs as a pitcher. One of my favorite things about you, you Don, two-sport athlete um, as a college player, which, which I love, former two-sport athlete myself. Part of two perfect games with Burley and Humbler and two no-hitters with Giolito and Humbler, uh, same guy twice there. Had a great reputation for being there for his guys as pitchers. I think uh, his his brethren there, the, the guys who came through that White Sox organization as pitchers will speak volumes about him. Um, but with that, I want to introduce Don Cooper uh, to our show. Say, Don, welcome to, welcome back to our show. Yeah. You were on our pitch. Good afternoon, show. fellas. I'm anxious to uh, get into some subject matter. You're gonna I, you're gonna give me my baseball fix for the day. Yeah, yeah and, and much like us, you're probably not watching a, a ton of it any uh, from beginning to end. Um, I think we're of the same mindset of right now. I, I follow. Got- listen, I look at box scores just like I did when I was a kid, you know, except I ain't got the bowl of cereal sitting in front of me. I got a coffee and I'm looking at box scores, who pitched, you know, how many innings they went and how many hits, how many strikeouts, well, all of that stuff. And I look at it, when I look at an offensive box score, I'm sure I'll, if I see two or more hits, those are the guys I want to see. You know, not the guy that got one for four, one for five. I mean, I I follow that. But it is hard for me to watch an entire game. You know, I, I'm channel surfing. I'll go back over to the Swamp People for an inning, you know, and then I'll come back. But because she does, it, 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 the games are going a lot quicker. I will say that. Um, you know, the new rules and people are beefing about a lot of them. And the, the one that I've always encouraged was to work fast. That's the first thing you I learned as a kid. Playing in Little League, you know, throw strikes, change speeds, work fast in that order. It's not work fast, change speeds, throw strikes. But, um, you know, listen, I do encourage, because then you get into a rhythm. And the game, each game has a rhythm to it as well. You know, I, I can tell you that from sitting there and watching 18 major league seasons in a row. So uh, that's one rule I am for. Well, that's good. Now, with as eight, 18 years as a big league pitching coach, if you were to sit down or if I were to sit down with the pitchers that came through your tutelage for that time period, what would they say a Don Rowe uh, pitching staff would be like? How would someone describe a Don Rowe staff? What are you about? Well, 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 you, you I'm not Don Rowe, first of all. Oh, Don Cooper, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don, Don Rowe was a guy that uh, I, I, I met him very, very early in my minor league po- coaching career. But what they would t- listen, what I was about is I- I- I'm looking to get the best out of each guy. You know, I'm looking to think out of the box and say, what might we add? What might we put on the back burner? How how are we going to get lefties out better? How are we going to get righties out better? I'm looking at every uh, so many different things. But I wanted them to have their best year while they were with me. And while they were in Chicago to help us win games, that was the the motive behind it. Now, with that being said, I'll tell you, there was a seven-year period of a rebuild 
you know, and I was the, I remember going into a meeting and saying, if we need to trade Sale and we need to trade Quintana, because we cannot win with these guys. We're not supporting them. We do not have enough to, that we're losing with two of the better pitchers in baseball. One at the time was maybe the best pitcher in baseball, Chris Sale. Um, and, and that's when we traded those guys, that's when the rebuild began. And the manager, Robin Ventura and Rick Renteria, they never were given enough real talent to, to, uh, to compete realistically in the American League to try to win pennants at that time. We were going through, quote-unquote, a rebuild. The people that were coming through our doors were, you know, every, everybody came through, you know, and we were auditioning. We were giving out opportunities, basically, to a lot of guys uh, that would never have gotten them somewhere else. And I'm happy for that. You know, it's nice seeing a guy get to the big leagues. But, you know, we were rebuilt for a lot of years. But I'm I'm looking to win every day. You know, I even during that rebuild, I didn't come to the ballpark thinking anything other than we're going to win. Uh, I think what guys would say is I'm competitive. I, 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 I'm always in their corner, that's for sure. You know, I never liked it if somebody else talk crap about any of my guys only I could do that and I would do it to them I would tell them you know it was about I what I really enjoyed about it all personally was the personal relationships and the conversations you know about anything whether they were pitching that day the during the game that day you know on the plane wherever you know that's what I miss the most and I miss the work and the practice to try to improve and and take every ounce, this was my in my motto, every ounce of their God-given ability, every one of those guys that I've had to be big leaguers, these guys are talented guys. Everybody's got ability. Everybody's got assets, some more than others. But I was looking to maximize their God-given abilities and then maximizing the command of those God-given abilities. That's, that's uh, music to my ears right there. We, we were joking before the show about all the technology and science that's going on right now. When you were running through your 18 years as a big league coach, and I say this facetiously, how on earth did you possibly survive without the <laughs> no, science? And yeah, well, I, that's what I mentioned to you before. What you, I don't know how the heck I survived for 50 years without having any science, you know, um, because, because we learned the craft. You know, I, I, I was, if there's a guy, listen, with me, I've done more camps, clinics, and lessons than anybody. I'd like to shake your hand. And, and that made me better because, number one, if you're a good coach, you got to identify, okay, what does the guy do good? What do you like? That's the first thing I'm always looking for. What do I like? And then I'm looking at what, where could we improve? What, what, what can we get better? What side, you know, like, like, for instance, with a fastball, where are you best with that fastball? You know, where's your best location? Okay, because we're going to need to get to about five of them. You know, we've got to be good at five. Down and away to both sides, hands to both sides, and then above the zone. You know, so we, we that's going to take time, and it's going to take uh, focused work to get that done. So every time we're going to do a sideline, that's what we're working on with the fastball. You know, so, and there's always was work to do, you know. Um, and But, you know, being a coach, it was like, I've always likened it to being a, a, a jockey. You know, you're riding, and I've got 13 thoroughbreds, 
okay? But, you know, whoever's in there and whatever we're doing or working on it, he's the number one, and we're riding. And you got to – sometimes you got to go to the whip. Sometimes you got to trot. Sometimes you got to pull back on the reins. Sometimes you just got to go and go for it. You know what I mean? And it, 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 that's in trying to keep a guy healthy. That was always – my number one goal was to keep the, my guys healthy so they could go out there and do the things that they and we envisioned them doing because if you're not healthy can't do any of that you're not good you know to a large degree i don't mean this badly that you're no good to anybody if you're down on this you're on the shelf you're no good to the team you're no good to yourself you can't you can't participate and that's you know listen it happens the injuries do happen but we looked into doing things to try to keep our guys healthy the two biggest things with injuries, God doesn't wake up in the morning and say, Joe Jones, you're going to blow out your elbow. You know, John Doe, you're not you're going to blow out your shoulder. He doesn't wake up and do that. It's, this is not an act of God. Things are happening that are putting strain somewhere on the guy's body in his arm. And something after a while, it's like a time bomb ticking. If you don't have a good delivery, a good pitching delivery, and I'm not right now. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what a good delivery is because that's a long discussion. But if you have a good delivery and your arm action is solid, you, you have a chance to remain healthy. You know, without that, you won't. And especially nowadays, when guys are selling out for nothing but velocity, that's why you don't see guys that can you know have pitchability. I'll call it. There are some. Don't get me wrong. But the, the pitchability means I can locate my fastball everywhere. I can short, drop a curveball, and I've got change of speed. I don't have to, and i got a good change up. I don't have to sell out for pure velocity, and I'm just going to get a swing and miss with every pitch. There were many guys that were successful, and now they're being pushed out. That all they did was like a Jamie Moyer, like a Glavin, like a Burley. These guys pitched for 15 straight years. Was that just good luck? Injuries aren't good luck and bad luck. You know what I mean? It's not an act of God. Something's going wrong. And you, as a coach and as a player, you've got to be on top of this to be able – listen, the reason why guys are major leaguers in my mind, this is just my opinion, to be a major league hitter, to be a major league pitcher, to field at the major league level, to throw from the position at the major league level, you have to get yourself – in the correct positions to do all of those throws. And in many cases with position players from a lot of different angles, you know what I mean? From, from pitching, it might be a couple different angles, but really it's, it's getting narrowed down a little bit more with pitchers. Um, and, and, and that's the difference between minor leaguers that ain't there because they're just not, they aren't able to get their bodies in the correct position as much as the big, big leaguers to do things at major league level of efficiency, which is hitting. You know what I mean? You, to be a, a hitter at the big league level, you've got to hit a certain average. You've got to hit a certain amount of home runs now. But, but when you think about it, both the pitchers and the hitters are selling out the, the pitchers, don't want you to touch the ball a lot of times. They want swings and misses and strikeouts, and they're getting a lot of them. The hitters, a lot of the hitters or who get paid by hitting home runs and RBIs now are selling out for the, you know, the turn, lift, and jerk approach. I'm going to try to hit home runs, which makes them more susceptible to be, to be gotten out. 
when they're yeah. doing that. But that's kind of what's going on because science has taken over and they're trying to get guys to just spin it and ride it. And then usually it's a curveball in the dirt or something like that from a pitching standpoint. But it's happening with the hitters as well. But you're, one, of, one of your stuff that I heard before I, I began to speak was that, you know, that it, baseball has gone hitting. Well, it's, it's been going hitting for a long time. You know, uh, the strike zone's getting, getting narrow and smaller, foul territory, moving the fences in, lowering the mound going back years and years. I mean, it's been happening. And now with the, the shift – you're not allowed to shift, which is that's I'm against that rule. But, you know, I'm for the clock rule, but I'm against the shift rule because wait a minute, I'm in charge of the nine guys that are on my team and that got that got gloves on. I could put them where I want. You hit them where they ain't. We Willie Keeler thing, you know. Yeah, but I don't like that because the hitters they 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 weren't able to make an adjustment. They hit it away from where the defense was playing them and the pitching pitchers were pitching them. You know, so they had because it makes for a more interesting game. It makes for a lot more runs. I think for a long time, and I've said this, I know I said this 20 years ago, to the average fan, a one-nothing or two-nothing game is not interesting. They want to see balls out of the ballpark, flipping the bat, running around the baseball, uh, base pass, uh, a scoreboard exploding, fireworks going off. It, it's an event. They, they, they want, and they want people running around the bases. So that's the reason why I think the game has gone more, trying to go more and more offensive. You know, the pitchers are better. Listen, but that's the thing that makes me sick is when I see – a guy, a, a, a really good pitcher, you know, listen, your job is to go deep into the game. That was the, the, the one of the number one things on the job description of my guys. If you're a starting pitcher, it's six plus, you know, and, and six is just making it, you know, but more to leave little or nothing to the relievers. Now it's being the, the starters are going five innings. They're throwing 105 pitches in five innings because they're selling out, not commanding, you know, going back on that. And But this is the way the whole industry has gone. Whatever happened to the guy, you know, you, the 200-inning the guys, they're becoming dinosaurs, almost extinct, you know. And that's going to hurt the chances of no-hitters and, and perfect games and things like that because – they just don't let the starters go that that much. So, you know, but the shift going back to the shift, that was a, the, the for pitchers that 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 were worth a, their salt. You know, like let's say a left handed the left handed hitters are probably going to be the most benefited by this. But you get throw a curveball over and they hit the curveball, they're going to pull that ball to the right side of the field. And when you have five and six guys over there, it makes it awful difficult to get on. But that th those left-handed hitters, what I'm telling you, they couldn't adjust and hit the ball to left field. So they're being helped because of inefficiency, which is kind of annoying. Yeah. What Now, you had a reputation for taking care of your guys, as we talked about, and your guys went deep into games. Outside of the mentality, what did you do differently to get your pitchers to go deep into games that's not being done now? Because guys are throwing less now, but they're getting hurt more. Your guys threw longer. To, and pit, to pitch, locate, 
know what we were going to do to each hitter, you know, know what the game plan was, try and try to carry and carry that game plan out and, and try to carry it out at, at, a, at the highest level of efficiency that would be possible on that day. You know, um, listen, I saw us win a world championship because I had five starters that went to the post like thoroughbreds, like a race every five days. You know, I mean, sometimes it was six due to schedule, but they went to the post and they took the bulk of the game. And in, in heck, in the playoffs, and I still tell people, I dare you to break this record. You know, I, in 2005, we completed like five games, four in a row, but I think five, and only one reliever threw six pitches in the whole series. You know, and, and our pitchers were going out there and just going, you know, and, and they were studs. The, the, listen, if you all five of my guys basically pitched all year, except El Duque, he, we put him on the DL a couple times to save, you know, just to kind of take care of him because he was a bit older, you know. But all the other guys went to the post every five days, and uh, you know, then it became very competitive. They wanted to be the the lead guy. They want, you know, every, you know, I, that's an, every day that one of my guys went out there, whether it was Burley, Garland, Garcia, Contreras, or, or El Duque, they were our number one that day. I, I used to get a kick out of and tell people, who's your, when, who's your number one, two, three, four, five? Whoever's out there that day is our number one, and we're planning on winning that game. And and he's our leading line of defense because he's going to be out there for a long time, you know. And our guys did it. They were able to do it. Quality starts, we prided ourselves on that, you know. I guarantee you if you look back, you know, at, at our time with the White Sox, I'm betting we if we weren't one, we were way up there with quality starts, which means for whatever reason, it means your guy is staying out there for six, at least six and more. You know, nowadays you're carrying 13 guys on a pitching staff as well. We only had 10. You know, then it went to 11. Then it went, to, you know what I mean? It, it, at one time we had 10. And, you know, so it, it, it the, the guys were asked and asked more of. That's why starting pitchers got paid the most money because they were asked more. Their job was bigger, you know, and, and, and then some teams paid closers. But now everybody's getting paid. You get the seventh inning guy, your eighth inning guy. Another thing that, that annoys me is, are the, can anybody in the bullpen go two and change or, or two innings? Does I, I'd love it all to be one in a perfect world. But listen, a lot of things happen during the course of a season. And sometimes starters are asked more of. you got to stay out there a little longer. Now our bullpen's a little short. They're a little tired or vice versa. You know? You know, you know, where more is asked of relievers, you know, especially if you think about it. Let's say you're the seventh and eighth inning and ninth inning guy for a team and you're one inning guys. Well, if your team's hot and your team's winning, you're going to be the ones that's probably going to have to watch their usage. You know, you want, but it's like, though, you're like going back to the jockey thing. You're doing everything in your power all year to balance it out. How much work can we put in? And then, you know, how do we keep them healthy? You know, but I know our organization at one time, we talked, we, we talked, there were, there were certain types of pitchers and certain things that kids did and pitchers did that were kind of like, not that one, not, not that problem. 
you know, and it you it, I for me it was arm, the arm action and what a guy was doing when the ball came out of his glove. The delivery stuff, you know, the the body stuff, that works hand in hand with the arm action. And you know, we could get into it because th- this is a big topic for me. That's why guys go down. Guys with inconsistent deliveries, especially if they have poor arm action, in time, something's going to give, and whether it's shoulder or elbow. And I never really cared which one because either one means you're out, you're down, and to a large degree, you're not, we got to move on. I, I, we got we got to win tomorrow. We got another guy that just came up. I feel terrible that you're hurt, but we got to move on. You know what I mean? That's That was kind of the, the game for me every year. But our injury rate in the industry, the White Sox, while I was the pitching coach, and certainly I had much help. I'm not saying I, I, I kept them all healthy. I'm not, I'm not the, the Dr. Feelgood. But we were probably one of the best in the business, if not the best in the entire industry. I'm talking major and minor league. Now, stuff happens everywhere, but I, be, I, I bet we're near the top of that, too. Yeah. Kevin, go ahead. I know you've been, you've got a bunch of questions you want to ask. Well, no, the enthusiasm and the expertise, and I was there in 2005, um, you know, and I think, Don, you know, Don, Don Cooper hit on so many facets there that I want to get into, but I also want to, uh, you know, you can see why you want to pitch for this guy to complete games. Um, I, it was unbelievable that playoff series. I mean, I'm going to start with an easy question though. Um, Give us your best A.J. Pruszynski story, Don. You know, before I get into AJ's, an A.J. story, you know, as time passes more and more, and I learned this even more as I was a pitching coach, how important the catcher was in the whole scheme of things, you know. And A.J. Pruszynski was a stud because he was out there every freaking day Sometimes a big pain in the ass, and and I guess maybe it's it's in the nature of the business. He and I would, uh, I I think we got along, but there were times that he drove me nuts, and I'm sure I drove him nuts, you know. Um, but it was all for going in the same direction and pulling from the same rope, you know. Um, but my best AJ Pruszynski story. Well, okay, here it is. Nobody's more famous in any city. A.J. is beloved in Chicago because he struck out in the playoff game and he ran to first. Exactly. And we're safe. And we're safe. (laughs) You know, and we went on to win that game. Uh, He's beloved for that. But, you know, he – he was – he was a dynamite guy behind the plate. He was – he was – you never have to – he was out there every day. And for that alone – and his career, I, I bet more often than not, he was a lot more healthy than not. Um, being a catcher and doing that position, I have a lot of respect. I mean, I told Mark Burley this once, you know, probably after his eighth year in a row of collecting two, over 220 innings a year. That's going to wow. – Mark, that should go into his uh, piggy bank for being considered to be a Hall of Famer. But he's pitched like 12 of them, 13 years at 200 innings. He, he, but I told him one day, I said, you know, and I meant it. I said, you're a stud. You're a stud. And, and he looked at me. I go, for you to be able to physically get yourself ready every five days 
for 10 freaking years, you know, however long it was at that time. That's not the point. But, and not only that, to be, it's not only physically, it's mental to be able to go out there and do what he, he did. And, and, and a lot of guys did, you know, there were a lot more then. Like I said, that's going to be the dinosaurs now, but I, I, you know, it makes me think this, as you said that we should do some more of these and do some, I, I do enjoy this an awful lot, but we should do more of these on other topics. I'm open to it. Uh, I like the questions and I like, uh, I like the talks. <laughs> well, here's a good, well, you, your knowledge is off the charts and this is what, you know, and it's transferable generation to generation. When I hear you speak, uh, I can I can harken back to old pitching coaches I met way you know 30 40 years ago because you you take the same lessons along and early when I was talking about the new rules I love the speed up rules too but my problem with it is it is that it shouldn't have been it shouldn't have to been enforced it should have been something pitching no coaches and teams no question no question and that, no question and along those lines I want because there's one other guy I want to talk about because I knew him quite well. And, I, and you, you got him later in his career, but um, uh, for pitching, uh, you know, I love AJ, but for pitching magistry and knowledge and toughness and big cojones, uh, uh, El Duque, give us a, a little snapshot I loved of El Duque. I love them. Uh, just hear some thoughts on the guy. I'm not sure I met a more competitive baseball player. Michael Jordan was more uh, overall more competitive in anything. You know, he, he'd want to, he'd want to bet on the family feud if it was on TV, you know, but El Duque ultra competitive, ultra proud dealing with Cuban people. You know, I think giving, making sure that, that you have a good relationship with them, that you're showing them respect. I, I, you know, I actually got this from Louis Tion, a, a friend of mine, he told me, always ask about the family. Always ask about the family. You know, that he, he thought that was a good touch with Cuban players. But anyway, El Duque was ultra competitive, you know. And here's one story, you know, that I'll give you. I, I got a few of them. I, I'm going to tell you, the, in spring training, it was murder to get him to go five innings, okay? And and I got about ten of these stories about him, really. So we, we're going to have to do another show. But he finally went five innings. His first start in Minnesota, and we're playing in the Dome, and, and they got a really good team. They got Torrey. They got Morneau. They got Maurer. They got the third baseman, Kadir, you know. But but in in about the second inning, you know, he's trying to – and I forget – I'm going to be honest with you. I forget whether it was Maurer or Morneau. He, he, he's trying to go in on his hands and didn't get it quite there. And he hit it off the baggie and they scored a run or two, you know, but he was nails the rest of the game. Okay. Later in that game, bigger situation comes up, same hitter. He goes in and gets it there and he's pumped. He gets out of the inning, inning over, gets him. And he goes, he, he comes to me and says, and I'm going to try to do this in my sp- Spanish, Spanish, Spanglish accent. You, he never do. You think never do. You think I do that again? He never think that. I get this time. I do the same thing. Get it in there, and he out. You know, but but he he was so comp- And this was the the eighth inning of the game, and he hadn't gone five in spring training. You know, he just finally went five. Um, there was a, an, another time he, he we were playing in uh, in Cleveland. And he thought that Victor Martinez said something to him. 
And he came running in, and he goes, give me one more run. Give me one more run. That's all I need. Well, we got him to run. And much later in the game, late in the game, in about the eighth, sure enough, here comes Victor. And Victor got him. And he was ready, and El Duque was ready to pull hair out of his head because he was so pissed uh, at that. But I would have liked to have seen El Duque in his prime when he was 96 and, you know, with the fastball. But pitchability, comfortability, experience, ice water in his veins. And he even said this. He goes, this is not pressure to me. Pressure to me is how am I going to get – what? how far can my raft go? You know, in, in, in the ocean. How, how do I get here? You know, that was pressure. Do you realize in his story, he, he left with a group from Cuba. He left with a group, and he could have got away from the group and gotten there, but he stood, stay, stayed with the group uh, and decided to stay with the group he left. He could have got, he could have got out, he, but he stuck with the team. This guy was good. And there's one other story I got to tell you about him that I please, think you'll like. Please. It's spring training. First spring training, and he's throwing live batting practice. We got a screen in front of him. And there's about four guys in the group hitting. And one of the guys, and everybody knows what's coming. You know, and there's no secrets. Here's a fastball. Here's a curveball, whatever. And a line drive comes back straight above El Duque's head. You know, and right by, and it was hit, you know, because I, I was right behind him. <clears throat> and it was smoked. He had to go down. And there was some laughter at the cage, at, around the cage, but it wasn't directed at anything, at El Duque or anything. Well, the next three pitches come at, and it was a left-handed hitter. It, it was a Polish kid, uh, but he was the wrestling champion from Michigan. His neck was about 20 inches. Rogowski, his name was Casey Rogowski, a, a wrestling champ from Michigan who hit the ball. The next two come at his head. You know, it, it, whoa, wait a minute. You know, and then we had to have the talk that, well, you know, listen, we, I like your fire, but not against the guys in the same uniform we have on, you know. Okay, fast forward two days later when we do it again. Same thing happens. He's throwing at him. And you know what he says to me? He goes, they laughed at me. Nobody laughs at me. Nobody laughs at me. I'm the old guy. I'm the veteran. Nobody laughs at me. He, he was very, I don't know, prideful, very prideful guy, you know, but a very, you want him on your team uh, is what I'm telling you. Uh, he was a, a, a nice piece to that to that. That team, and also for me and Contreras, a very big help for Contreras um, during that time because that's when Contreras, right before El Duque came, he started taking off. Yep, I was just going to say Contreras had respect for El Duque. El Duque knows so much about pitching. I go all the way back. I remember uh, when the Yankees were struggling in a series and they went to uh, uh, El Duque in the big game. Because George Steinbrenner wanted that. He could see what El Duque was made out of. So that, those are great stories. I got one other name I want to throw at you. I don't know where this is going to go, but uh, you're such a great pitching coach. But for a while there, Rick Peterson was in your organization too. What was your relationship like with Rick? And and Because and I think Rick also 
developed the reputation of having pitchers who wouldn't get hurt. You know, they keep Rick healthy. Was big, Rick, so, Rick was a dynamite pitching coach. Um, yeah. Rick, was, Rick, Rick, myself, uh, we all kind of came up together. You know, yeah, a guy by the name of Dewey Robinson. You know, we were a very strong pitching organization, and Rick was one of the main reasons for that. He was dynamite pitching coach. Um, Rick had innovative ideas. Um, some of them I took. I'm sure he took some of the stuff that we were doing as well. Um, but a, he made our organization stronger. And then obviously – his opportunity came to do it at the major league level. Um, and he, 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 solid, solid pitching man. Then the, the, his career proves that. Well, that's, that's my point. The knowledge that those pitchers were gaining from people like you and Rick and the other coaches you had in your staff. Though, I, I think nowadays a lot of these coaches have their hands tied and they got to go by the numbers and, before we get into any of that, I agree. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. That are not allowed to coach like you guys are allowed to coach. But I, I have to ask you this question too, because it drives me nuts. Can you talk a little bit about "quote unquote" the sweeper, the new pitch that is just sweeping through MLB? There's no new pitches. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no pitches. If listen, on the hands of a clock, I'll say. Well, you've heard the twelve-six curveball. And, you know, some yep. are shaped 1-7. So some are shaped 2-8. And nowadays, some are shaped 3-9. And uh-huh, if you're throwing uh-huh. from down under, below that, it might be 4, four or 5 to 10. You know what I mean? As crazy as that seems. But you're around, you are around the baseball when you're doing that a sweeper, you know, uh, th- that's a flatter pitch. I didn't, t- I don't teach sweepers sweep. If I see a sweeper, you got around that because we're looking for a curve or a slider, but the discipline of some hitters, uh, if you can, if you can flip one up there and it starts at his hip and flatly goes across out off the plate away for a foot and he's going to, you know he's gonna he's gonna want it. Well, have at it. You know, exactly. Have at that. But that's not a pitch that I would teach people because you're doing that. You're not on top of the ball. You know, when you're on top of the ball, you see depth. The depth of a curveball. The depth of a slider. The depth of a good split finger. Let's say too. When you see flat, you, that, that's describing. It, that comes to mind when you say sweeper, Kevin. Yeah, that's that's a great description of it, and I'm just curious about this. I don't know this. Does the sweeper put any extra um, pressure or stress on the arm? Or is yeah, it, uh, yeah. I mean, it- yeah. I, it, listen, when you're around the baseball, if you get around the baseball enough, you, you know something's going to give. It, it, it's a flaw. It's a flaw. Okay. okay. You know, listen. Like I said, arm action and getting your position, and, and for me. And we could get into this at another time because stay tall, stay back, stay close, because those common denominators that I just said, and which I'll define in a later time, I could give you definition of each one. Stay tall, stay back, stay close. These are the common denominators that the best guys in the history of baseball have done. It's not just grabbing something in the air. You know, 
you hit on something a second ago. I have nothing against young pitching coaches. I really don't. I, you know, to a large degree, I hope you get are as blessed as I was. Get 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 the run that I got. Go get it. You know, but it used to be that experience. And there's a lot of things I can't do, but I know I can be a pitching coach because I've done it for 40 years. You know, well, take away 10, 30 years, 35 years maybe. But you just can't do that. Experience used to matter. You'd want, you never wanted anybody that didn't have experience. Heck, if I'm having a brain surgery, I don't want a guy that just did one or read about it. I want a guy that did a lot of them. You know, I want experience. <laughs> but it just doesn't yep. – the game has changed. And when you think about it, it's not only the game. It's in a lot of arenas. It's in the, it's in, it's in the world right now. Trust the science. Trust, you the know, science. trust the science. I'm not a trust the science guy. You know why? Because Neither you can I. bend that. And I, we've seen it bent. So I know I know I go no, by my experience great. and my working. I what we're talking about. I didn't just read about it. I, I was I I was given it by other people, my mentors, but then I worked it, and I saw what worked and didn't work, and I saw I proved to myself that oh this is the way to do this. This is the positions you need to be in. And because that's what dictates, and you know, listen, nowadays when guys are trying to sell off a velocity, they might get hurt too just because of that. But if you're selling off velocity with bad arm action and a bad delivery, you're like a time bomb ticking. Yep, yep. And the, uh, before I throw it to Dave, uh, I just thought of something else because you said a key word there. Is baseball, has baseball lost mentors or, or mentors been pushed out? Who was your mentor? And, or some of them, and uh, where do you see it now? Okay, mentors? I, my mentors were the people that I came in contact when I got into pro ball, and I was hungry for this because I was into it. How I learned prior to getting into pro ball, it wasn't my coaches. I didn't have a pitching coach. You know, I had a manager in college, and we had a, you know, in high school, we had my history teacher was the, the also the varsity coach. You know what I mean? So I how I learned was, I looked for in the quotes, all the quotes of pitchers and what they were talking about. I didn't read the opinions of the writers. I, I, I that was wasn't my meat and potatoes. It was the quotes. What's Seaver saying? What's Kuzma saying? What's Ryan saying? What's Stalemeyer saying? You know, as a player growing up, and I used to, I, I mimicked them. I mimicked all the different pitchers. Being a young pitcher, I had my Juan Marichal delivery. I had Bob Gibson. I had my Seaver. I had them all. You know what? I got into better habits because of that, because I mimicked the best. Um, that's how, And I also looked at pictures in the paper and seeing what positions they were in. I tried to get my body in those positions. I also looked at how they were holding the ball. I try, I held the, I tried to hold the ball like that. And, you know, years ago, like we're talking about working fast, another thing was make the ball spin. It was always about making the ball spin as much as you could between you and the catcher as a pitcher. You know, and, and, and just on a fastball, two-seam and four-seam, curveball for sure, slider for sure. It, and, and, you know, what I mean? that's what you always try to do that. But that's how I learned. But now I get into pro ball, Sammy Ellis. 
former red pitch, pitcher, you know, a, a younger phenom, got hurt, made it his life's mission to figure this out. How did it happen? Why did it happen? And I was the recipient of much of that. And then I took a lot of that and I kind of took, in, in my mind, he was handing the baton off to me and I took the baton and ran with it. Um, I worked it. I, I did everything, you know, with kids, young kids, getting them in the correct, trying to get them in the correct position. Before I was a big league coach, you know, I was in the, I was maybe not in the minor leagues or prior to the minor leagues, I was given lessons and working with kids. But again, I, the best way to help young kids, drill positions, get them in the drill positions, because then you, you get them in the correct positions. You practice that over and over again. In a lot of ways, you can, you can teach chimps to do this. You know, if you just keep getting them in the correct position over and over again. Um, so, but Sammy Ellis was the best. Pat Dobson was another guy. Hoyt Wilhelm was another guy. Johnny Padres was another guy. And I took something from all of them. But Sammy Great Ellis, Great to me, was the best. Because he, w- he's, he knew that getting the body in the correct position with good arm action gives you a chance to stay healthy and go out there and have the career you're dreaming of. Um, and, and, I, and I go to the grave with that. And I think a lot of that now gets thrown out. Another thing that happens with the new, new pitching stuff is they're changing arm actions. They're shortening them. And, you know, listen, it can help. But I worry about velocity over some time with a guy that was longer that they're shortening. I've seen it happen a little bit right now. We could talk about that on another discussion, if you like, because I, I, I put an awful lot of time, work, and passion, really, in, into the teaching of the pitching delivery, the pitches, arm action, the things that we're talking about here. And I, I, I where, are, where are injuries right now? Are they up over the last three years, let's say, with pitchers? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that's, t- that's a telltale thing. Um. I was going to make a joke and I was going to say, so when you kept guys, uh, when you kept guys healthy, that meant you, you counted their pitches because that's all they do. Oh, no. Listen, I had everything, Kevin. I I, I knew what their pitches was, but I also knew how many days off they had before, how many days they got off the next game. You know, you know, it might be how's our bullpen, but, and and a big part of it is, well, how's he doing? You know, how's he throwing? You know, I see people getting taken out of games and they're getting people out. That's almost trying to piss off the baseball gods to come and bite you in the ass. You know, to be honest with you, if a guy's going good, you know, what's the old saying? Don't fix it. You know, you know, and, and that's that would be me. But I've got all the information about who's starting that game and, again, how many we might be able to let them go. My, I, I didn't look for reasons to take people out, man. I looked for reasons to keep them in. Mm, great, great, great yeah. sentence. Write that one down. And you can send that to all the major league clubs because they're paying these starters lots and lots of money. And all you want out of them is five? I can help. I can help you. 
Well, I think it's good. Yeah, we've got the year of front offices, so if anybody's out there listening, we've got your next pitching guy right here, no doubt about it. I, I can see why your pitchers ran through walls for you, Don. I love my guys, man. And listen, I, 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 hope they, I hope they enjoyed their time because part of my mission was to – this is the major leagues, man. This is going to be the best time of your life. I, I'm, I want to be an aid in that. I don't want to be. I don't want to be a distraction in that or a problem in that. I, 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 and how are we going to do that? Well, the key to any relationship is communication. I don't care if it's boyfriend, girlfriend, man, wife. You know, uh, pitching, pitch, pitching, pitching coach, pitcher. You know, I mean, having a relationship where you, they know where you're coming from and they know that you're behind them. And, and I was. So that was easy. That was that wasn't a hard part. What's your message? We've got a lot of young kids, 72 countries, grassroots. You were a two-sport college athlete. We're in an era of specialization right now. It's being pushed on these kids. What's your message to parents and kids about playing multiple sports? Well, first of all, I'd say play multiple sports because the better athletes pick things up better, easier, quicker. You know, um, So play both sports. Play, a lot, play, play until you can't. But one thing I'd say, you know, when you mention parents – my mom and dad knew what I was doing. My mom knew I was playing ball, you know, but she wasn't at the games. She was working or taking care of her, the household, you know, and, and making sure the our world was good. My father worked. He came to as many games as he could. But but sports was my thing. You know, I, I see too many people maybe living vicariously through their kids. You know, kids, just go play. Play and play it all, you know, and and, and go. You know, I think the biggest problem maybe with kids is they don't get up off their butts because they might be too busy playing video games or, or on the phone or online or something like that. Well, listen, the, the, you kind of got to you kind of got to get up and do. There's three ways of, of learning: listening, watching, and doing. And doing, I find a lot of young kids don't, don't want to sit around and not do. Um, and, and we never had that problem. Yeah. Well, uh, we always end the show and I can't wait for this answer. Kevin always asks, it's, it's a seemingly simple question, but it, it gets pretty deep. So Kevin, I'm going to turn it over to you to ask Don your, your famous last question here. Yeah, Don, this, this, uh, you take your time with this one. And, uh, again, I can't wait to hear the answer as well, but, uh, it's a real simple question for Don Cooper here. What's a ball player mean to you? What's it, what, what does it mean to you to be a ball player? <laughs> What does it mean to be a ball player? All right. I'm, I'm going it, it, to – it's more than a sentence, so here I go. Go. And you're talking a baseball player or just a ball player, period? I, I want to I – we'll keep it baseball-centric. All right. You got, you, you got to be a guy that wants to go play, wants to go participate, wants to get better can't wait to get to practice, knows what he wants to do at practice, knows the things that he's got to do to get better at practice, uh, competes time and time, never stops competing. Ne- you know, uh, the best athletes, the guys that I see are the bit, they never lose confidence. You know, it, it, confidence is such a huge Believe in yourself. These, a ball player believes in himself and has confidence and is ready to go every day and knows that he's part of a team that has a role and a job to do for him to do on a daily basis to 
aid that team in getting the win that day. Wow. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of great answers, but that, that sums it up. That's phenomenal. Well done. I think the whole show could have been called what, what is it like to, what's it to be a ball player because, uh, Don, you're phenomenal. We, we love you. And just so the audience knows, before the show, you talked about your relationship with your pitchers and when you talked to the Cuban pitchers about, about family. The very first question you asked me when we were on before the show today was, I know you got two boys. How are your boys? And, uh, you know, that shows you what kind of coach you were, what kind of person you are. And you mentioned it's about relationships. And I hope other coaches are listening because you get it. I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest with you. I'm Facebook friends with both of you. And I get to see, Kevin, what you're doing, you know. I I get to see Dave. I I saw a couple pictures with you and the boys at at some sort of function. I I think I saw a uniform on at one time. And yeah. that's what prompted the question. Um, and I found out that one's a sophomore. No, one, I'm sorry, one's a freshman. And one's a seventh yeah. grader. And that's right. my, yeah. that led to my next comment, which was, you you got, a, you got a commitment on your hands to be able to get those boys to all the activities that they've got. Um, that's, a, that's a big commitment, you know, that, that, parents, that parents have. Um, and I like it. I like that. Uh, play, they're out there it. playing ball. I like all kids to play play ball. If you like baseball, I really like you. Yeah, <laughs> you like them. Our two daughters play too. I'm like an Uber driver though now without getting <laughs> But um, <clears throat> no, and thank you, Don. You're phenomenal. And Kevin, always thank you for what you do for the network and the show. And um, before we head out, I want to make sure we thank our subscribers too. Sixteen thousand three hundred plus. Download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. Um, we've got to beat the algorithms and analytics of podcasting like we're trying to do with baseball. Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. You'll be able to stream this show tonight. I'll get this out within a half hour. It'll be all, all over these these countries that we're in, 72 of them right now, grassroots to front offices. I hope front offices are listening because if you want a, you want a veteran guy that gets it, he's your guy. Um, let's get a hold of Don. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you can follow me there. I'll engage you as part of the network. And one question live and everything else will be private right back to you. Hit Kevin up on ball nine. Our guys over there do a great job. Kevin's phenomenal. Hall of Fame writer. Two times a week he puts something out there for us. And it's always different than everybody else. He's getting the real stuff. All we're doing, trying to do is build a better baseball IQ. And I'll show you, the shows I love is when I get smarter. And I took a ton of notes today, Don. I appreciate you helping me get smarter with the game. And Kevin, you as well. Guys, thanks again. We appreciate it. This is episode 166 in the books. Have a great day, guys. Silver invitation to the big band.